Hello everyone and welcome to Behold, the podcast where we cast our all-seeing eye over the world of comic book adaptations and try to sort the super from the substandard. Who's we? Well, I'm your host Andrew, and as usual, I'm joined by my co-host Hello. Mick. I've had a busy week. Oh. I've Ooh. been I've been playing with this uh, AI audio description software, and I thought today's episode would be a great one to to try it out on. So basically, it takes the Zoom video feed, right, scans the person who's talking. Mm-hmm. And then automatically translates it into an audio description. Do you want to give it a go? I mean, this sounds like it's going to be a horrific disaster. So absolutely right, okay. yes. Go with the intro again. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Behold, the podcast where we cast our all-seeing eye over the world of comic book adaptations and try to sort the super from the substandard. Who's we? Well. I'm your host, Andrew, and as usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Mick. indicates that he's unable to speak due to a sacred oath of silence. Oh, this th- this is what we're doing. No, it's, it's okay, Mick. What, what you have to do is, when you want to communicate something, just, like, wiggle your little finger, and I'll be able to interpret that into, like, a five-minute-long monologue. Mick the face makes it unclear whether he is confused or soiling himself. Oh, accident. <laughs> so, yes, God help us, we're covering the Inhumans this week. Mick's face indicates that he's not sure whether he's pleased at this news or has just fallen backwards onto a fencing post. This is even this the whole <laughs> thing. Off topic now. <laughs> Excellent. So, so yes, this is going to be. I should specify we're only going to be about the first season of the show from twenty seventeen. The first series. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, you never know. Oh, I think we. <laughs> Maybe in ten years. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's not going to be like a 2027 in humans revival, no, is there? Due no. to popular fan demand. I see. I I, I so, actually yeah. think that. Uh, I think that this show was actually the tail end of that whole despicable practices in Hollywood period that was going on, you know, with, that culminated in the arrests of, like, Spacey and um, Weinstein and all that. And I, I think that... Oh, yes, before we arrested all of the bad actors and producers and now only the good ones. And I, I, think, I think basically what happened was that they turned out to Anson Mount and said, do this. You get Star Trek. <laughs> it's like some kind of like devil's bargain. I mean, God, that that does make too much sense, doesn't it? But yes, this is the first and only series of the show excreted by Scott Buck. And I guess technically similar to characters. <laughs> well, the word created just isn't appropriate, is it? No, I'm not. You know, you know when you go back to the office after a fortnight on, on holiday and you realise that you forgot to wash that coffee mug? Yeah, that's, that, that's... How, that's how this series got gestated. Yes, they just splashed that out on a piece of paper and said, right, here's the there script. You go. It was a big piece of paper, though, because they shot it for IMAX. <laughs> I know. They, that, that's the best bit, isn't it? That they, they released this in IMAX. So, what we're going to do to show, showcase our new partnership with IMAX is we're going to do the most excruciatingly bad dialogue, the worst special effects ever, and then cut 
as much as we can from the actual technical bits. Ta-da! I hope it's... Anyway, we'll, we'll get to that part in a bit. I mean, again, it's it's based on characters created by Stanley and Jack Kirby with the word based on doing a lot of heavy lifting in that sentence. It, it, it shares some names with. Yes. yes. They have pulled the names of a bunch of Inhumans characters out of a hat and used those to create this show. I mean, you say the names of some, I mean, you know, Black Bolt is just a colour followed by the name of a thing. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about, Mick. It's it's a very reasonable nickname for the man of Black Agar Boltagon. And uh, Medusa and Gorgon are both names from Greek mythology. Crystal is, again, the name of a thing. So, and Maximus was, you know, um, Russell Crowe, Gladiator, yeah, Russell Crowe. So they're not even really comic book names, are they? So, yeah, I'm I'm surprised that they didn't just like remove the Marvels and humans bit from this and just went weird folk. That's that's what the TV show is called now. Yeah. Attack of the Moon Men. <laughs> but yeah, the the actual comic book in humans, are you familiar with them at all, Mick? The only real sort of familiarity I had with Inhumans was uh, when I started getting back into comics in the mid-2010s. Uh, I had a bit of a splurge on things that I wasn't aware of or things that I was a bit out of, out of date with. So one of those was um, a Marvel Inhumans annual number one, which um, I have to say was disappointed on two counts. First of all, uh, very much like the TV series, there doesn't appear to have been a number two. No, no, I'm, I'm going to have to call you on that because the TV show definitely has a lot of number two in it. That's true. But I mean, in terms of uh, a series two, if you like, a continuation of, uh, there was, as I understand, no annual number two, which is a shame because, as I recall, either the story ended badly or wasn't finished. But and it just seemed like it was Fox on the X-Men, so here's some other people that are a bit X-Men-y. Yes, that was very much the Inhumans in the 2010s. Yeah. Because that's, that's kind of the main thing I think we need to talk about with the background bit is... So just to do a kind of full recap, the Inhumans, they first appeared in the Fantastic Four, again, during Stanley and Jack Kirby's run in the 1960s. And the idea was they were kind of this weird sort of secret society of humans that had been altered by aliens so that they've all got the ability to get superpowers when they're exposed to the pterogenesis crystals. It's, it's all very weird, like hidden society stuff. Yeah. And I, I quite liked them at the time. What I really liked was how bright and colourful and grandiose all of Atalan was. <laughs> And not shot on location in Coventry. Yes, I, I liked the way it was not just a big grey corridor. <laughs> but anyway, um, the Inhumans, they were kind of mostly side characters. They kind of had a few of their own series throughout the years. But they became very prominent in the 2010s because Ike Perlmutter, who was the CEO of Marvel at the time and also closely tried to tied to the Trump administration, just so you know what kind of guy he is. Uh, he he basically really wanted to do an Inhumans movie because, as you said, Fox had the rights to X-Men at the time. 
So he really wanted something that would compete with that. And so the comics started to reflect that as well, being very like, we're going to push the Inhumans and try like shove the X-Men to one side. Yeah. It went badly. Yes. In fact, it overall went so badly that Kevin Feige ended up basically kicking Ike Perlmutter out of like the Marvel movie side of things, which is why he had to make this TV show instead. Right. Which then ah. flopped, and then Marvel bought the X-Men rights back, so it was all pointless. <laughs> the, thing is, the thing is, um, I, the, my other exposure to Inhumans was in the uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. run. Oh, right, yes. That that was the, in, like, the second series? That's right, yeah. And, you know, the way they handled it was quite good. The, again, it was the telegenesis thing. Some people had the, uh, the inhuman gene, and there was a black market in telegenesis crystals. And at that point, Daisy Johnson who was a, a key protagonist within Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., got exposed and became Quake. Um, yeah, which, that that was kind of weird. They were just like, let's try to awkwardly remake this character as a character from the comics. Yeah. Uh, and it was, you know, it was quite a nice little uh, subtext, especially when later on they brought in, and I, I, I always get my Marvel alien races mixed up, the Cree? Yes, the Cree, like the, the blue skinned one who dressed like Roman centurions a bit. That's right, yeah. Uh, when they brought the Cree in for a later plot, it all tied up quite nicely because obviously they had machinations for their inhuman uh, experiments. Yeah. Yes, Which and in the comics, again, it's the Cree are the ones who came to Earth and made the inhumans. So I, that that was a much better introduction from uh, to humans than annual hash one. Yeah, I I assume that was one of those things that was probably setting up stories that then continue off in different things. Yeah, because heaven forbid you should just buy the one comic series to read a whole story. So so, so the the second reason I was disappointed with. Um, the Newman's annual number one is that I grew up getting an annual every Christmas. And this annual, the Inhumans annual number one, it had no pointless maze game. It had no interesting trivia facts. It had no little uh, sort of did you know quiz. And it was soft-backed. This is not the annual I'm used to. I know. Not even a bit of colouring in. No. No maze. I mean, come on, America. Pull your finger out. So, ultimately, the humans have done nothing but disappoint me except for one brief moment in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> yeah. And I will say that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. think that's basically like the 2010s inhuman storylines. Because mm. obviously they decided like, well, there's only 50 or so inhumans, so we can't really make them the X-Men. So now everyone's an inhuman. Including, fun fact that the MCU doesn't want you to know, Ms. Marvel. Yes. Which I, I do like how the TV series has been very much... Nope, it's just a magic bracelet. Terragenesis, Smenogenesis. This is... That works. <laughs> Speaking of things that I'm pretending work and absolutely don't, should I talk about the synopsis for the Inhumans TV show? All right. Your challenge, should you choose to accept it, is to make it shorter than the synopsis on Wikipedia. I, I don't know. So I'm pretty sure the Wikipedia one is just things happen. Na 19 words. 
Yeah, mine is slightly longer than 19 words. Okay. Shall I put the audio description back on? You can do it. <laughs> Now, I, again, I feel like this is another one of those redundant ones, but spoilers for the full series. But not as many as if you actually watch it. Yes. Again, you spoil yourself if you watch The Inhumans. Spoiler Which I've done twice now. Yeah. We watch it so you don't have. God, that could be our tagline, couldn't it? It could, yeah. <laughs> Except for when we do good things. Yeah. Remember that? Remember sometimes when we do good things? I do. I do remember that. Anyway, in the moon-based city of Atalan, which definitely isn't just a warehouse, we are introduced to the Inhuman royal family, who include Black Bolt, played by Anson Mount, the Inhuman's king, who forces people to live in a brutal caste system Based seemingly just on how cool people think your powers are. His wife Medusa, played by Sarinda Swan, who abandoned her parents' dream of social reform because she thought Black Bolt was hunky. Medusa's sister Crystal, played by Isabel Cornish, a vapid girl who feels no remorse about living a life of luxury while her people suffer. Uh, Gorgon, played by Emmy Ikuaka, Atlan's horrendously incompetent chief of security, who definitely just got his job through nepotism, and Karnak, played by Ken Lung, who's just a horrible, horrible man. And these are the heroes of the show. Rick oh. pulls a face, which makes it look like he's stepped in something that an ill dog has left behind. Speaking of, the Inhumans also include Triton and the teleporting dog Lockjaw. Who's a but very good boy. He is a very good boy. But unfortunately, the special effects for both of them are too expensive, so they're not really in it. <laughs> also, well, the un- gonna... Lockjaw's the only effect that can be described as special. Y- yes. Well, when I say Triton has a lot of special effects, the actor Mike Moe is covered in a lot of very Buffy the Vampire Slayer E prosthetics. Yes. So... Black Bolt's brother Maximus, played by Ewan Rion, launches a coup and exiles the royal family to Earth. He then assumes the mantle of king and promises to end the caste system, also putting an end to the kind of discrimination that he himself has faced as someone with no powers at all. You see, I don't think Ewan was actually there. I think they just cut and pasted some of his scenes from Game of Thrones into the shots. Because he's dressed pretty much the same. He is. He's got pretty much the same storyline. And then just done some like weird pitch adjustment on his voice to give him whatever his accent is in this. Yeah. Anyway, Maximus is the villain of the show. Yeah. So, the Inhumans then bum around Hawaii for a bit. Black Bolt and Medusa forget they've been monitoring Earth for years, so should know how to blend in. Gorgon forgets he can't swim and then joins a militia. And Karnak forgets to, sl- to not slip on a rock, bumps his head, and then gets captured by weed dealers. Also, Crystal is there. <laughs> None of this is important, and then they go home. Back on Atalan. The writers remember that Maximus is supposed to be a bad guy, so he does some murders and tries to destroy the city. Uh, The Inhumans, who are specifically the title characters of the show, evacuate the rest of the Inhumans, uh, and also Gorgon dies, but then he gets better. Black Bolt defeats Maximus, and instead of killing him, goes for the way more humane option of just leaving him trapped alone in a bunker underneath the ruins of Atalan for all time. The Inhumans... That doesn't set you up for a revenge plot in any way, shape or form. A revenge plot, which much like the plot of this series, I would say is very justified. (laughs) So after doing that, what I assume is some kind of war crime, the Inhumans fly to Earth when Medusa gives a big speech about how maybe all the slavery they did was bad, but who can say... And whatever, it's time to move on now, because they all need, 
need to unite against an even bigger threat. Uh, unfortunately, that threat is the Marvel execs who saw the ratings review the show got and immediately canned it. And that's the Inhumans. Well, I, I, I think that's an adequate synopsis, but I think you missed out the key aspect of Inhumans, which is that the human royal family is a suite of highly powered individuals and crystal. Yes, crystal who can make things a little bit wet sometimes. Who, by the end of episode one, have had all their superpowers stripped away from them in some way. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's talk about that first of all, because the first two now, episodes... Black, now, Black Bolt, it's a thing, isn't it? It's it, it's the shtick, isn't it? He, he's, his voice is the most powerful weapon in the universe, and therefore he has taken this vow of silence. And therefore, he's, re, he's relegated to basically practising for the World Gurning competition. Yes, he's... Not exactly got the regal composure of Black Bolts from the comics, does he? No. Joe Anson now invented his own sign language for this show. Did he? Yes. Yes, he did, the poor guy. You see, this is it. You don't put that kind of effort in unless you've been promised a Star Trek carrot at the end of the inhuman stick yeah exactly again it all just makes too much sense <laughs> rule rule a concrete city on the moon and we will give you enterprise <laughs> i think also the problem is it looks very silly because clearly the gestures black Bolt is doing don't correspond to anything no they, they, they look like a combination between very basic international sign language that you see people doing on the signing zone on TV shows and those militaristic directions that people give you, like, move over there, <laughs> go around the back, that kind of thing. Yeah, and I think that could almost work. But again, it, it doesn't. It just falls flat. But, but but it is weird the way that when he's talking to Medusa and she relays his messages on, he does like four hand signals and that turns into a five-minute monologue. Exactly, yeah. And then later on, he'll do 27 symbols and that translates as yes. Do you think all this time Blackboard's just standing next to Medusa doing a big speech is going... I just want it as a sandwich. <laughs> so, uh, so that's that's Black Bolt's superpower colour. Let's talk about Medusa, because as every every inhuman comic reading fan will know, Medusa has prehensile hair. Yeah, which is it's a power I like a lot because it's just really weird. Yeah. And it has so many, it can be used as an offensive weapon, it can be used as a defensive restraint. Yeah, it can, can, be, it can be used in so many ways. Yeah, she right can. Up until the point you get forced to your knees and sh your hair shaved off. Well, I would say also slightly before that point when they realise. Oh god, this wig looks so bad, and also it costs so much CGI to animate hair. Let, let's just have her repeat the same like slap animation twice. I I'm not actually convinced they did CGI the animated hair. I think what happened was that they got two stagehands off camera with fishing rods to just gently lift a couple of strands up and move them. A bit like they used to do old-style ghost movements on TV. I mean, the only reason I'm going to say that's not true 
is because I think that would look better than what we got. Because, <laughs> yeah, because it's so bad. And then Maximus shaves it off. But he literally just shaves it off with, like, a razor you can buy at Boots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's, there's no evidence. It's not like trying to... Sh- it's, it's not like those scenes where you see Superman trying to have a shave and the blades are getting ruined by his Man of Steel facial hair. It's like, you know, a bick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that scene is so dramatic and it's just... Oh, she's got quite a nice looking, like, shaved head look now. <laughs> um, then we've got Karnak. Yeah, now, Karnak now, is Karnak. is what I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. Because knowing it, going into this, did you know what Karnak's powers were? No. And coming out of this, I don't know what Karnak's powers are. That's what I thought. Because, <laughs> like... The one point I was almost going to make in Inhuman's defence is I thought it was kind of a neat scene when he's getting attacked by the guards in episode one and you yes. see him do it. Now, the, the actual fight itself, horribly choreographed. Yes. But then you get the bit where he gets shot, falls in the lake, and then he steps in from Oscar and going, nope, well, that didn't work. And, that's... and then recalculates... The positions and... Yes. Except the more I think about it, that scene is very confusing as to what Karnak's powers are supposed to be. Yes. Because it's like, is is this him? I, I think it's just him planning this all out in his head, like the split second before the guards attack. But it makes it seem like, is he psychic? Is, does he do it, like some it, weird time travel thing? It, I... I, I think what they're trying to get across is that he has a, an ability to calculate odds that almost makes him appear prescient. But what they don't do is anything to distinguish it from the fact that that's what he's doing until he goes backwards and recalculates it. And then they just show the same scene again, but with some squiggly lines drawn on as he does the calculations. Now, the last time I saw something similar to that was... Um, do you remember No Ordinary Family from a few years ago? Oh, very vaguely. Which was a sort of live-action version of The Incredibles with Michael Chiklis. Yeah, yeah. Now, in that, the kid had a similar superpower and joined the American football team at, at the high school and was calculating the angles and trajectories and the forces with which to... And it made sense then, but he wasn't changing outcomes that you'd already seen. He was just calculating where the ball went, and that worked really well. In this instance, not so much. Yeah. Because, again, does he time travel back and recalculate? If so, how does he do that when he's face down in a pool of water, clearly dead having been shot? It it makes no sense. Yeah. Or it's like a Doctor Strange thing where he's seeing multiple universes because yes. it's it's also it's hard to tell from the comics as well because they've kind of made maximus karnak in this because in the comics karnak is the one in human who doesn't have any powers so instead he's just trained himself to be so good at martial arts he can basically yes. see like the floor in anything so like he'll know exactly where to punch a wall so that it rolls down that kind of thing right and I think they've tried to turn that into so he can see the floor in any plan. Unless that plan is that bit of rock is a bit loose, don't step on it. Yeah. Here's the thought, though. Right? If Karnak, who is listed as being the uh, royal family's chief strategist and philosopher, right? If he can do all that, see the flaw in things, and then calculate it so it doesn't happen, how does he not stop Maximus's coup before it occurs? Yeah, because this is another thing. There's that scene in the first episode where one of the servants 
like gives him a little flirty look and then he just tells her exactly how their relationship would go yeah so surely he should be able to see that maximus is gonna try and like take over and also that his plan is going to end up destroying Atalan, because that's literally the flaw in his plan. Yes. And that he will end up as ruler, but ruler of a dead Atalan. Mm. Yeah, which... Ah, that's... I almost love it, but end up hating it. Of Maximus's just... little psychic sidekick who can see the future, but only in ways that are very, like ironic interpretations of what actually happens. Yeah. I did wonder, is is that character loosely based on the Ulysses character from Civil War 2? I part of me would assume so, but then there's the other part of me that thinks that the people who make this show do not care and are just doing whatever. Fair enough. Uh, Gorgon. Whose superpower is to be a pound landed Elba and stamp a lot. I don't. I'd also argue that he is superhumanly dumb. Yeah. He forgets he can't swim and just wades out into the ocean. <laughs> I think most people who forget they can't swim do so by drowning. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, that that is how he learns his lesson. Yeah. And and Crystal. Uh, yeah, Crystal. Now, there, there is a very precise description of Crystal's powers here. Uh, coming from... Uh, I'm trying to figure out what Cornish is... Isabel Cornish, who plays Crystal. This is Chris, Isabel Cornish's accurate and precise description of Crystal's power. Powers. Uh, Crystal is really, and I quote, coming of age and going on the journey of really coming into her adulthood and discovering more of her powers and, and I think this is the real nub of the gist, things like that. I mean, inspiring stuff from 2013's Peter's Prettiest Vegetarian of the Year. <laughs> what? If, if you go to Isabel Cornish's Wikipedia page, scroll down to accolades. That's what's written there. Yeah, of course, you and I know that Crystal's real power is mastery over all the elements because we see she can shoot fire, she can freeze things a bit, and as her acting shows, she's got complete mastery over wood. Yes. Um, It's funny, though, she manages to not be able to control anything when in the presence of the bad guy. Yeah. Again, like all characters, how powerful she is is incredibly inconsistent. Yeah. Uh, And then we've got uh, Maximus. Who has the power of menacing features. He does have a good scowl, does he, when we on? He does. And he, he, he manages to say the word brother in a way that denotes scum. Uh, but this is one of those bits of casting where you go, oh, he's usually pretty good in stuff. Misfits, Game of Thrones, that kind of stuff. You watch it, and you go, oh dear. How big was that picture? Yeah, God. I mean, it's it's interesting to try and sort out is it good actor in bad role or just bad actor in bad role? Yeah. And then we have the supporting cast. 
Oh, boy. So, let's see. We have a supporting cast of Inhumans. We have uh, Sonia Balmores as Oran, or Oran, or Orion. Depending on which character is saying the name. Yeah. Uh, uh, she's tough, no nonsense, and apparently heals herself a bit. Yeah, I, I think in the comics she's just got, like, super hearing. Because in the comics she's more like a sort of animal lady with big ears. Oh, I can see why she was changed for the series. Budget. Yep. Uh, and then you've got Brunaja, who you mentioned earlier, the the person with visions occasionally, maybe, sometimes. Yeah. And it's like, I, I, I see what they're doing is, it's like a Cassandra thing where he tells the truth, but in a way where it's always going to be misinterpreted. But it's just... It's such a this power is entirely for narrative convenience thing. Yeah. Do you know who I feel sorry for in this? Is it Mordis? No. It's Henry Ian Cusick. That's his name. Because I was the man who the man who clearly left over from the uh, location filming for Lost finds himself in the most bizarre actor's Groundhog Day in which he plays a scientist funded by a mysterious other person whose experiments are set in the jungles of Hawaii in a remote base and uh, involve human experimentation. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure what happened was he wasn't in the series, but one day when they were filming, they just found a bunker in the jungle. They just stumbled across his lap. Yes. <laughs> and it's just that the crew of Lost forgot to tell him the series was over. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I was just thinking to myself, oh yeah, Desmond from Lost is in this. Oh wait, what's that guy's name? Yeah. Both, both the character and the actor. <laughs> Evan Declan. Yeah. Does he <coughs> does he die? I'm, I mean, you know, like like pretty much everybody except Tansom Mount, his career probably did. That's I mean I don't feel like Ken Lung's pretty bulletproof. He, he's got out of this okay. <laughs> but uh yes, you mentioned Mordis. Um Uh, who uh, uh, appears to have heat vision, but a heat vision that can't be controlled because he has to wear a mask all the time. Yeah. And it's, again, it's another one of those very bad be thought out things about humans. He can't control his powers, so he spent his entire adult life just locked up in a chamber. Whereas the other inhuman who can't control his powers... Gets to be the king. Yeah. And it's, again, it's kind of hard to root for the incredibly privileged people. Yes. Um, I mean, I guess if you, if, you, if you try and be logical about it, it's quite easy for Black Bolt to take a vow of silence. It's a bit less easy for someone to take a vow of keeping your eyes shut. Yeah, but he has the he has the special mask that stops him doing it. That's true. Um, doesn't do anything to control his sarcasm, though, does it? No. Do you think that's it? That's the real reason <laughs> they locked him up. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't lock him up because of his uncontrollable power. They locked him up because of his his inherent bitchiness. Uh, another person who forgets that. You had Gorgon forgetting that he didn't have a normal ability, like swimming. Um, you've also got uh, Krista Alvarez playing Flora, who, very early on, forgets that she has any power. 
Oh, is she the one with the incredible powers of making some branches shake a bit? Once more, this reminds her that she can do that. Yeah, that's... I mean, I get that it's like, it's them trying to have a character say what her powers are. Yeah. But how dumb must you be? It's like, it's like <laughs> me saying, oh, oh, I really want that glass of water, but it's over there. If only there was some way I could move over to it. And it's just, <laughs> have you tried walking? And you, oh, I can just do that. <laughs> And then um, Liv Hewson, who plays possibly my favourite character in Inhumans, Audrey the Vet, because she's at least willing to call Crystal out on her overprivileged shit. Yeah, it's again, it's one of those weird things where she gets kidnapped by Crystal and we're supposed to think that Audrey is the bad guy in this scenario. Yeah. <laughs> like, you hold that woman hostage. But it's okay. She's a bit bitchy about her ex-boyfriend, so it's it's fine. Yeah. And uh, one, one would hope that Moses Goods is having a, a strong word with his agent in the work of, in the work of Inhumans. God, which one's he? There's there's so many bad he's, characters in this mic. He's Eldrak, the inhuman doorway. Oh! Who is literally just a wall. Yeah. I mean, how does he get evacuated? Well, he does and he dies. Black Bolt basically murders him. Yeah. And he's very chill about I mean, to be fair, I guess you would be chill about it when you think... Oh, thank God. I, I definitely don't have to ever come back if this series continues. Yeah, if, if there's a series two, I'm free. <laughs> I, I, what I like also is that someone, Miriam Lucian, is listed as playing a Serenian human. Just a Serenian. No powers listed. Just a Serene. You know, I'm just an inhuman going about my business. Don't want to get involved in the Civil War. Yeah. Not getting involved in the She's, she's not the one with the wings, is she? Just says she's a serene human. Pulses, an inhuman with electric-based powers. I don't even remember her being in the series. Yeah. But yeah, so um So yeah, I guess the... I guess one of the things I want to clarify was it we've, we've joked a bit about the inhumans just being bad people. And obviously that doesn't necessarily make the show bad. Like one of the most popular TV shows in the world at the moment is Succession, a show about a bunch of horrible, awful like billionaires, and it's great. Yeah. But it's the fact that the show doesn't realise that the Inhumans are bad. Yes. And, but there are other... The, the, the other problem with it for me is it it doesn't do a good job, which is... Unusual. I, 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 think, I mean, I think you can just end there. The problem is it doesn't do a good job. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't do a good job of building its world. There's the inconsistencies that we've already mentioned between, you know, whether people's powers work or not, what they actually are, whether they know what they are or not. Um, but also, they're secret from humans, right? The whole reason that they live on the moon is because mankind is troublesome, right? So, what exactly is their economy based on? Who are they trading with? Where is Maximus getting the money to pay the geneticist? Oh yeah, that's that's a good point. Because I was going to say, well, maybe Atlan's just some kind of weird, like, post-money society. But but yeah, Maximus needs money. 
Yeah, and if they're a close money society, what are they doing all the mining for? That's um to make Catalan bigger, I think. It's also Why? because it's, it's again one of the things they do a great job explaining. But I think it's because they're in like a dome. They can't expand outwards. So they've got to build downwards. Or it's to do with the weird... Because there's a bunch of stuff in the last episode about ooh, there's a secret other thing that we've not told you about. But also, if there is another reason why it's absolutely important that people spend their time in these mines, why keep it secret? Like, why not just say hey, sorry guys, we know that working in the mines is absolutely essential, but there's a really good reason for it. Also, well, also, that doesn't mean it's essential for the inhuman royal family to live a life of, like, opulence and not doing anything. Exactly. Yeah. There's, there's, there's also the question of that reason that it's so imperative that the... the, the the lower castes keep on mining under Atalan. Uh, how come that's suddenly not important when it comes to just leaving Maximus up there on his own? Be because secret, secret, something the writers haven't thought of it and it's fine, they'll just fix it later. Or they'll just get cancelled and they won't bother. Because the thing is, Let's assume that there is some massive uh, source of energy or power or maybe a hidden vault of Terrigen crystals or something like that, right? You've left the bad guy up there with them, not entirely sure whether he's alive or not. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the idea is that he's just trapped in that one bunker and you know i suppose atlan seems to not have tv so maybe black bolt just isn't aware of the fact that if you leave a baddie trapped in a place without killing them they're absolutely definitely going to come back (laughs) also speaking of baddies Black Bolt killing his parents is really funny. I'll admit that doesn't segue that yes. neatly, but I really want to talk about it because it's so funny. Just a <laughs> slow motion. Why? And then his parents <laughs> just go... Plump. And it's just like a little stain on the wall. Yeah. And I like the fact that afterwards he sort of goes... Like, oopsie. <laughs> <laughs> It is, it, it's so teenager accidentally saying a swear word. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um. But yeah, it's, it's like you say, Atlan itself is just so bare bones. Like in terms of set it design is. and just the society itself, because like, what does anyone I, 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 do I, I, in Atalan? My, my, my big problem with Atalan uh, and the way it was realised is that, bearing in mind, and we mentioned this at the, at the top of the show, this was filmed in association with IMAX, right? It looks like a TV studio. Yeah, it looks, it looks so much like a mid-budget series from the early 2000s. Actually, I, I, I would make it a tin to, and uh, younger viewers will be reaching for Wikipedia at this moment, Star Maidens from the 70s, a German-British co-production starring a pre-Blake 7 Gareth Thomas. Boy, that sounds, I assume, exactly as bad as I'm imagining. In which a race of 
eponymous star maidens from the planet Medusa. Oh, so it's just like a big hairy ball. Uh, no, no, no. It's just the name of the planet. Uh, but the Medusans are a race of women who use men as slaves and they come to invade the Earth. Boy, that's... I assume not the most progressive show. It's what it's what casters uh, it's what it's what pastors uh, strong feminine lead characters back in the seventies. Because <laughs> of course they all dressed in sexy spandex outfits. <laughs> the warrior. Of course, it's it's so you can see all their independence. <laughs> oh, their independence was definitely on show. The past times were bad, Nick, and so are the present times. <laughs> but yes, even even the sets on uh, Star Maidens were better than uh, Atalan and its realisation. So, oh, I know what we could talk about. Let's talk about Crystal's yeah. boyfriend. He's sure... Uh, two-dimensional? Whoa, whoa, whoa. St steady on. Let's not get too over the top. <laughs> I mean, you can see why the vet ditched him. You can. I'm also pretty sure that their entire relationship is just based on him mistaking Crystal for one of his surfboards. <laughs> That's not fair. I mean, you know, surfboards can be quite animated when you put them on there. <laughs> the That's true. I, I, I'm sorry, surfboards. I didn't mean to insult you like that. <laughs> but yeah, that's in humans. It's bad. And that and that's that's being kind. It is. We've watched this twice, ladies and gentlemen. We we have. I'm, I'm still kind of obsessed with it, because it's just it's the absolute hubris of the people behind this mick to make something so <laughs> so obviously awful and just think, yeah, this is fine. People will eat this up. Let's put it in IMAX. The thing is. The thing is when you compare it to all the other Marvel-based stuff that was around at the same time, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, that thing with the blonde fella and the kung fu. Yeah. Which, hey... I mean, even Iron Fist isn't this bad. Yeah. Funny you should say that. Do you know who created Iron Fist? Scott Buck. Who also uh, created Inhumans. He, he somehow went down from Iron Fist. <laughs> and we didn't think that was possible. No. Oh, how wrong we were. So, so yeah, he, he had Daredevil. And, uh, I mean, I know the, defend, the Defenders was a bit of an idea. But, yeah, but know. I mean, even compared to this, the Defenders is basically fine. Yeah. So, you know, the the other Marvel stuff that was around on TV then, and it, you know, the thing is, it's all the same studios, isn't it? It was all ABC Studios making this stuff for Netflix and for ABC. Yeah. Again, Until Marvel Television took it. I assume it's just a case of clearly more effort was put into certain properties than others. And more budget. Yeah. And I, I don't... The other thing is... This was the one that aired on ABC. Itself. And I, I... I don't know much about the TV networks in America, but growing up, I always got the impression that ABC was a bit like the BBC over here. It was like the, 
the stuffy, conservative, old-fashioned elder statesman of broadcast television in the in the US, and that sort of every ten or fifteen years, some new exciting executive would take over and decide that they were going to do something different and edgy to shake it from its stupor and it would fail magnificently and for the 20 or the mid 2010s that show was in humans it was it's it's an effect i genuinely part of me would recommend watching in humans just because it's such an absolute disaster Yeah, but it's it's not even one of those where it's so bad it's good. Oh no, no, it's so bad it's bad. Yeah. But the fact it's just the fact that they were allowed to make this Mick. <laughs> People saw this happening and let it continue. It it wasn't so it wasn't even that. It's the fact that they gave it such fanfare as well. I mean, there were trailers everywhere for. I know, because like wanted to push it so hard, and and it, it, it and it it was like trailers with really bad effects. Yeah, yeah, because that that's probably something important that people might not realize. There was never a point where people were like excited of this TV show. No. We, we we actually had a strand on an earlier incarnation of our podcast, didn't we? We did. Well, while, while Inhumans was running, we ran Inhumans Watch. Oh, good, good old Inhumans Watch. Because, <laughs> yes, that, that was what culminated us in us watching Inhumans for the first time. <laughs> and, and, you know... I believe at first it was just me watching it. Yes, and your dogged determination to watch basically all these kind of shows. Yeah, and uh, and I remember the look on your face as I described the denimal to uh, episode one. Yeah, it was that... where all the all all the superpowered people lost their powers. And part of it was like, no, Mick must be exaggerating this. And <laughs> you weren't. No. It's just quick, let's shave off Medusa's hair and stick some boots on Gorgon. <laughs> That's the other thing with Gorgon. Like, he's got massive feet. Yeah, with cloven hooves. But manages to fit into a normal pair of size nines. Yep. It's it's a good thing that's the only bit about Inhumans that doesn't make any sense, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I guess we better rank this. Yeah. So, I mean, this this is just going to be the obligatory intro bit. But where's it going to go on our list of TV shows ranking from Moon Knight at number one? I don't know. What have we currently got as the top three? <laughs> well, at number one, we've got Moon Knight. Number two, we've got Peacemaker. And number three, we've got WandaVision. It's not troubling no. What about the bottom three? Uh, 22, Titans Season 1. 23, The 2002 Birds of Prey. Number 24, Titans Season 2. I feel like this should go at the bottom, Mick. But then that indicates that it's the strongest of all the shows because it's holding the other ones up. Yes. And if we do put it at the bottom and it's there to support all the other ones, it'll crumble like Atalan. I mean, maybe it's for the best. <laughs> So a new number 25 then? Yeah, I mean, I I think it has to be because even season two of Titans, at least it's trying to do something. Yeah. This is like, you know when we did the Superman episode? 
Hang on, let me do my Karnak bit where I just like rewind a little bit and recalculate it, spot the flaw in the arguments and then see if it comes out with a different outcome. No, 25. Because yeah. this is basically like when we did Superman and that film had problems, but it just, it had that special something. And Humans has whatever the opposite of that is. A special insult. Yeah. It's like, Inhumans fails at absolutely everything it tries to do. And then just is somehow worse than all of that combined. Worse than the sum of the parts. <laughs> so, number 25. Inhumans. A result that I suspect probably isn't that big a surprise. No. We don't we don't need a sketchy prescient inhuman to touch our arm to figure that one out. No. No, we really don't. Although I guess it would be like oh yes, it will be a, a remarkable result for inhumans. Inhumans will score highly in the ranking. Of how bad it is. No, no, I've I've got it. Inhumans will be at a point in the list completely apart from everything else because nothing even comes close to it. That's that's the prediction. Inhumans will be ranked in a league of its own. Actually, yeah, that's it. From now on we'll call it the Inhumans basement. <laughs> Right, I think our job here is done. Indeed. We've rent Atalan asunder. We have, and now we're just going to fly away from the ruins and decide that we've learnt basically nothing. Before we go, I'm just going to do a quick check and make sure there are no uh, rumours about Inhuman Series 2. Oh, I mean, we, we joke, but, you know, they did put Black Bolt in Doctor Strange. Indeed. And if if people are deluded enough to want to see another amazing Spider-Man film, they almost could be deluded enough to want a second in human series. I mean uh, The thing is Based on Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and the Human Season One, how inventive can Marvel be in Ridding Black Bolt of his power. Yeah, I mean that's it. Maybe every episode is just like episode one. Black Bolt looks some stamps, but oh no, this one had super glue on the back of it. <laughs> uh, no, it's it, it's looking like. Uh, season two is is not happening. Okay, which sadly does not mean a return of the Hidden Humans watch. Indeed. See, I think it was the loss of uh, Inhumans watch that led to the slow, steady demise of Thor. I, I think so. I think we never really recovered <laughs> from the loss of that strap. <laughs> oh. So many things were lost by the destruction of Adelan. Maximus, Eldrak the Doorman, Four Panel, all of them lost in the rubble. <laughs> anyway, that, that's about it from us. If you want to listen to more, you can find all our episodes on the feed or wherever you get your podcasts. And you should subscribe to the show, but make sure you never miss an episode. If you want to get in touch, our email is beholdpod at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at beholdpod. And if you're a fan, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review on your podcast app of choice or just recommended us to a friend. It's the best way for us to grow the show and reach new listeners. So that's everything. Until next time, I've been Andrew. And I've been Nick. So long and thanks for listening. (laughs) 